Hello everyone and welcome back to Happy Human Club. I'm Soph Mosca. I'm the host of this podcast. We talk all things mental health, LGBTQ+, type 1 diabetes, just life, life experiences, manifestation. We talk about all that type of stuff on this podcast. This is one of my many little platforms that I post on. So if you guys are interested in following If you guys are interested in following me on any of my other social media, it is always linked down below in the description of this episode. And today we are going to be talking about something that I actually learned or that I talked about with my therapist. So something that I talked about in therapy last week. And basically my therapist handed me this piece of paper and made me go through the list with her and identify which cognitive distortions that I believed existed like in my my mind and my thinking and as I was going through the list I was thinking oh my god I need to talk about this on my podcast because this is allowing me to understand why I come to certain conclusions why I feel certain ways etc and So today we are going to be talking about how your mind is ruining your life. And this is, you know, in the form of what I'm going to be focusing most on, which is cognitive distortions. And we're also going to be talking a little bit about automatic thoughts and just other things related to those two topics. Um, And I also quickly just want to mention that the information that I'm going to be talking about, like about cognitive distortions and all that, is not my original definitions or research or anything like that. I believe it comes from the Feeling Good Handbook by David Burns. I'm not 100% sure, but it says that at the bottom of my paper. So, Um, but yeah, this is definitely not like my original thoughts or anything of that sort. Well, I'm going to be talking about it, obviously, in my own thoughts, but... I'm going to also be reading you like the definition from the paper that my therapist handed to me, which is very much not my own words, not claiming for it to be. So um, basically there are 10 different types of cognitive distortions that can occur within our minds, within our thinking. And you can have one of these, you could have all of them, you can have a mix of a few, You can some days have one, some days have all of them type of thing. It's not like something that's necessarily permanent in your brain, but it is a cognitive thing that occurs within our brains that is sort of automatic. Um, And so I figured I would start off this episode by going through the 10 different cognitive distortions, what they are, give examples. And as I'm going through, sorry, Augie's playing with a bone. He's literally been sleeping for hours and all of a sudden he decides he needs to play with a loud bone. Okay. Um, But as I'm going through this list, I want you guys to just try to pick out which ones you think are frequent in your brain in your thinking or which ones you think that you often have or experience okay so the very first one is called all or nothing thinking so the definition given is you see things in black and white categories if you if your performance falls short of perfect you see yourself as a total failure so an example of this would be like you get a bad grade on a test and you automatically tell yourself that you're stupid and you're never going anywhere in life which like 
it's very all or nothing. It's not like, oh, I got a bad grade, but I'm still smart and like, I'll still be successful. It's very much like I got a bad grade. I'm going nowhere in life. I'm so stupid. Okay. So that's all or nothing thinking. The second cognitive distortion is overgeneralization, which is when you see a single negative event as a never ending pattern of defeat. So this is the, th- the sort of thinking that's like, this always happens to me, or I can never catch a break, or I have the worst luck, that type of thing. That is overgeneralization. The third cognitive distortion is, I'm so sorry about Augie's bone. (laughs) The third cognitive distortion is mental filter. So this is when you pick out a single negative detail and dwell on it exclusively so that your vision of all reality becomes darkened like the drop of ink that discolors the entire beaker of water so an example of this would be someone does something that bothers you and you immediately forget about all the other nice things that they've done for you and you just think that they're a mean or bad person like take your significant other for example right like maybe they treat you amazing they're really thoughtful they're really empathetic but one time they say something to you that really rubs you the wrong way and in your brain you're like I can't like I'm so turned off by them I can't look at them the same but really all they did was like they were a human and they maybe made a selfish choice or something like that but they didn't do like it doesn't make them a bad person but in your brain you're like well I can't they're 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 horrible I can't look at them the same and really all they did was do one thing that wasn't the greatest you know what I mean The fourth cognitive distortion is disqualifying the positive. So this is when you reject positive experiences by insisting that they quote, don't count for some reason or another. And you may maintain a negative belief that it is contradicted by your everyday experiences. So an example of this would be like, you feel like you're unsuccessful in your career, but then you get recognition from your boss. Maybe you get a raise but you make excuses like, oh, it's only because so-and-so quit or, well, they had to give me a raise because I've been here so long. And instead of being like, dang, like I worked really hard for that, or I've been performing really well, I'm doing really well. And that's why I got a raise. You sort of disqualify yourself for whatever positive experience that you're having. So if it's the raise, you're like, well, I only got that because this person quit, or I only got that because I've been here for so long. They had to give me a raise when really like it's your hard work. The fifth cognitive distortion is jumping to conclusions. So this is when you make a negative interpretation, even though there are no definite facts that convincingly support your conclusion. So I struggle with this one a lot. Um, An example of this would be, say your friends are over y'all hanging out and they leave. And the second they leave, you assume that they all started talking shit about you as soon as they left and that they all think you're annoying. They all think you're stupid. They all don't like you when you really like you all just had a great day. You were laughing. You had so much fun with them. But as soon as they leave, you're like, dang, I just know they think that I'm so annoying and they're all talking shit about me. Mm, No, you're jumping to conclusions that have no facts behind them. The sixth Cognitive distortion is magnification or minimization. And sometimes magnification is also called catastrophizing. So this is where you exaggerate the importance of things such as your goof up or someone else's achievement, or you inappropriately shrink things until they appear tiny, your own desirable qualities or the other fellow's imperfections. And this is also called the binocular trick. 
So magnification example of that would be you accidentally stuttered over one word during presentation in class and you feel like the entire presentation sucked because of that, which no, you just stumbled over a word, you know, but the presentation was great. And then minimization is you have a million and one good desirable qualities like as a human being, but they're just still not good enough. Like compared to other people, like maybe you have long, beautiful hair, but it's not curly like that one pretty girl's hair or something like that. You know what I mean? You minimize what you have in comparison or maybe not even in comparison. You just don't think that they are enough in it of themselves. The next cognitive distortion is emotional reasoning. So this is when you assume that your negative emotions necessarily reflect the way things really are. This is like, I feel it, therefore it must be true. This is also something that I find myself doing a lot. Um, so an example of this is like, I f- This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease feel I'm unworthy of love and that no one will ever love me. So then it must be true because why else would I feel like that if it's not true? And I want to kind of talk about that in a, in a little bit, like later on in the episode, but it's very much just a passing thought. There's no truth behind it, but emotional reasoning tells you, well, I feel this way. So it has to be true. If I feel this way, it's because this is what the other person's feeling. This is what everyone else is feeling too. That's why I feel it. The eighth cognitive distortion is should statements. So this is when you try to motivate yourself with shoulds and shouldn'ts. And if you had to be whipped and punished before, um, or as if you had to be whipped and punished before you could be expected to do anything, musts and oughts are also offenders. The emotional consequence is guilt. When you direct should statements towards others, you feel anger, frustration, resentment. So, um, 
this is something that like me and my therapist kind of talked about and something that I kind of like made up myself, which is like, she kept saying like, don't should yourself, don't should yourself. And so when I was writing this, I was thinking like, it's kind of funny, like you wouldn't shit yourself. So don't should yourself. (laughs) And I just think it's like a funny little statement that you can use or a funny little phrase you can use to help remember or kind of catch yourself making these should statements. Cause this is like one of the most prevalent, super common cognitive distortions. So an example of this would be like, Oh, I shouldn't have eaten that piece of cake or I should have told him that I loved him or, Oh, I really should have gone to the gym today. And it's like, why should I have, you know, like it's, or my therapist gave me a really good example of, um, like a should statement that's directed outwardly, which is like somebody is say you're trying to turn right in a lane and somebody is, somebody had tried to move from the right turning lane into the lane next to it, but they couldn't get fully over. So they're blocking the right lane still. And so you can't turn because they're blocking it. This is where someone would be like, they should just pull up more or like they shouldn't have done that. That's so annoying. What, like now I can't take my turn and you get annoyed, you get angry because you're shooting them. And like the example for the cake, like I shouldn't have eaten that cake or I should have gone to the gym. That's guilt. So you can see in those like two examples that when you should yourself, it's guilt. And when you should others, it's anger and frustration. And this is very, very common, even in just think just like daily life, like think TikTok, people do something, they do a dance and they're like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that dance. Like blah, 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 you know, things like that. It's like the should statements are based on each individual person's belief system, which is formed through childhood, which is formed through like their upbringing, religion, everything, everything that makes them, them create their, their values, their opinions, and that forms their should statements. So should statements are very much like a singular opinion and there can always be an argument against them like that person should have moved up or that person should have pulled up further in the lane so that they could switch over that person shouldn't have switched lanes it's like well why not like what why shouldn't they have like why does it matter that they're blocking the lane you can't turn why should they let you turn like they're also driving on the road you know like you can make uh arguments like that Um, all right. The ninth cognitive distortion is labeling and mislabeling. So this is an extreme form of overgeneralization. Um, instead of describing your error, you attach a negative label to yourself, such as I'm a loser. When someone else's behavior rubs you the wrong way, you attach a negative label to them, such as like, he's so rude or he's such an asshole. Mislabeling involves describing an event with language that is highly colored and emotionally loaded. So an example of this is you make a mistake at work and instead of seeing the mistake as it is, as just a mistake, you think to yourself like, oh, I'm such a failure. I'm such an idiot. I'm so dumb. Um, or somebody else makes the same error and you're like, God, they're so stupid. Like they literally are good for nothing that would be labeling or mislabeling because they're not stupid. You're not a failure. They're not a failure. They just made a mistake. And the last cognitive distortion is personalization. So this is when you see yourself as the cause of some negative external event for which, in fact, you were not primarily responsible. So I also find that I do this cognitive distortion frequently. Um, 
but like a random example would be like, oh, he or she cheated on me because I'm annoying or I'm not a good girlfriend or whatever, this or that. Like it's when you like make excuses, you blame yourself for something that was most definitely out of your control, most definitely not your fault, that type of thing. Maybe a good example of this would be like, um, say, I mean, it could be really traumatic. Say like some, a loved one gets in a car crash and ends up getting really injured and you're like, it's because I didn't go with them today or it's because I like I made them stay in bed five minutes longer and then you know something like that like you take the blame for it when um it's just you're not primarily responsible it's out of your control it's not your fault so the reason I wanted to go over these cognitive distortions is because if you can identify these distortions in your life you can start to break them down And the reason why that is important is because our thoughts, our brain works in a specific way when we're talking cognitive reasoning, right? Cognitive behavior. Um, And cognitive distortions kind of come in the form of automatic thoughts. So what are automatic thoughts? Basically, when something happens like a situation occurs, okay? There's an event that leads to an unpleasant emotion. Um, We feel an emotion and then we experience automatic thoughts and cognitive distortions, if that makes sense. So my therapist also gave me this chart and it gives you a place for the date. It gives you a place to write the situation, a place to write your emotions, a place to write your automatic thoughts, a place to write your logical response and a place to write your outcome. And at the bottom of this paper, there's an explanation and it says, when you experience an unpleasant emotion, note the situation that seemed to stimulate the emotion. If the emotion occurred while you were thinking, daydreaming, etc., please note this. Then note the automatic thoughts associated with the emotions, record the degree to which you believed this thought zero, not at all, a hundred percent completely in rating the degree of emotion. One equals a trace and a hundred equals most intense possible. So for example, let's do, um, let's do an example of something random. Let's say your friend, or I'll, I'll put it in the context of me, but this is a made up situation. So ready made up situation starts now. My friend said to me that I, or my friend pointed out to me that I have a lot of upper hair, upper lip hair. And so that's the situation, right? My friend pointed out to me that I have a lot of upper lip hair and I found myself continuing to think about it and throughout the day and look at it in the mirror repetitively and obsessively. The emotion that I was feeling was embarrassment, sadness. I was a little bit angry at my friend for saying that, but the most intense emotion I felt was embarrassment. I would put that one. Um, I like to do like zero to 10 for my emotions because I feel like zero to a hundred is too much, but zero to 10, the embarrassment was pretty high. I would say it was like an eight or nine. And then, um, the sadness was like, a six and the anger was a little bit less. It was just sort of like a four. It was just, it was dull, but it was there. And 
the automatic thoughts that I had were that I was ugly, my my upper lip hair makes me unworthy, and that I my friend thinks that I'm weird and she's going to go and tell everyone that I am ugly and that I have a lot of upper lip hair and no one's going to love me because I have upper lip hair. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> it sounds kind of silly, right? Because I'm talking about something as like mundane as lip hair, but this is actually what our brains do. And it's not necessarily like a, a process like I just did, but it all occurs in our brain. We have a situation, we experience emotions, and we automatically have thoughts. We automatically have these cognitive distortions. So the next two parts of the chart are logical response and outcome. And my therapist told me not to do those yet because we're going to be working on that together. But something I want to point out to you guys, because this is sort of like the next step is once you can identify your cognitive distortions, and once you can break down your thoughts into situation, emotion, and automatic thoughts slash cognitive distortions, you can take a step back, like step away from the situation, from the emotion, from the automatic thoughts, and reevaluate. So my therapist taught me this. So whenever you experience an emotion and you have automatic thoughts, you have to look at the situation and your emotions on a scale from one to 10, but 10 is your life is in danger. 10 is you are hanging off a cliff with one finger with a million and one alligators and sharks beneath you, millions of feet down, like you're destined to die. Your life is in danger out of 10. So say that I'm really anxious about a math test that I have coming up. Okay, one to 10. Let's let's talk about this emotion, this anxiety I'm feeling. On a scale of one to 10, where does this, where does this anxiety fall? Well, it's definitely not a 10. My life is not a danger. I wouldn't even consider it an eight. If a 10 is I'm dying, an eight is not a math test. So I'm reading my anxiety for this math test down to like a two or a three. And the reason I'm even keeping it as high as that is because, you know, I really want to study um, astroscience in college. And if I can't pass this and I need, I need this test to be at least a B or else I can't pass the class. And if I don't pass the class, then I won't get the credit that I need in order to be an astroscientist. So it's not life or death, but it would determine something about my future. So I'm going to leave it at like a two or a three. But so many people would be like, I need to pass this test because if I don't, I won't get into the program, blah, blah, blah. And it becomes a 10 of anxiety. Like, oh my God, this is the worst thing of my life. I'm so anxious. This is so important. It's really not. It's a three. You can always retake the class. You can always retake the test. You can always, you know, reevaluate your goals in life. Maybe you're not actually good in math and failing this test will save you from a lot of other failures. And you realize I didn't even want to do astroscience. I just did it because my parents wanted me to things like that. But when you can take a step back and look at your emotions, look at, look at your automatic thoughts, look at your cognitive distortions from an outsider point of view and from a one to 10 scale of 10 being literally you're going to die. It makes all the negative and yucky feelings that you're feeling way less intrusive. And I think another important thing I just want to note really quick, which I'm like flying through this episode, but like, I just feel like this was a quickie anyways. But um, something else I want to note that I really liked is my therapist um, kind of brought up the fact that there's no really such thing as like a negative emotion. It's more of just like a yucky emotion because... Like take anxiety, for example, if you're hanging off the cliff with 
clip. <laughs> if you're hanging off the cliff with one hand, that anxiety makes sense. That anxiety is important. That anxiety is keeping you alive. It might give you the adrenaline to give you the strength to pull yourself up off of that cliff. You need that anxiety. If you're walking alone in a parking lot at night and two people in hoodies come running up to you, you should have anxiety in that circumstance, right? But do you need your anxiety to pass a math test? Do you need your anxiety to study for that math test? No. And so it's just a yucky emotion because it's anxiety isn't a negative emotion because if it was, then it wouldn't help us in the needed circumstances either. It's just an emotion that we sometimes need and often experience, if that makes sense. And also really quickly, I just wanted to talk about something that um, my therapist said to me that I'm like, I need someone else to hear this because I feel like this is going to resonate with somebody else. But where was it? Oh, for the jumping to conclusions, cognitive distortion, um, where I talked about, you know, your friends leave after you all hung out. And I immediately started thinking like, oh, they all hate me. They all think I'm so annoying. I was talking about that in therapy. Actually, that's same specific example. And my therapist kind of just looks at me and goes, so do you think that means that you don't like yourself and that you think you're really annoying? And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, that is exactly it. I do think I'm annoying and I don't like myself. And it just, it made me laugh. Like I, we laughed together, but I was like, that is so true. If I think about the different distortions I have, especially like jumping to conclusions and stuff, like it's often stemming from my own beliefs about myself and I'm projecting. So same with like when I was talking about how I feel like I'm unlovable and that I'm not going to find someone that loves me. And, you know, there's no truth behind that, but I feel unlovable. I feel like no one's going to love me. No one is making me feel like I'm unlovable. No one is making me feel like no one's going to love me. I believe it. And so therefore I, everyone that comes into my life, I'm like, Oh, well, they didn't love me. They didn't care, actually care about me, everything like that. And I'm just like cognitive, like I'm, I'm confirmation biasing it. And it's only because that's how I feel about myself. So even if it's not true, I'm making myself believe it and making myself feel it. So this was your little therapy session for today. <laughs> Did you guys like it? Um, I thought this would be fun to do. And honestly, like whenever I was doing this in therapy, I was like, somebody needs to hear this somewhere. So that is why I want to do this for this episode. Um, I also just want to say if this is something that you guys like and you like how I go about it and everything like that, um, keep that in mind because in the near future, in this year, the year of 2023, I am going to be starting my career as a life coach and I get a lot of questions like what is a life coach, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I guess the best way to like explain it in terms that maybe someone would understand is like life coaching is to therapy as like, like occupational therapy is to, um, like a doctor, I guess. Like basically like you can also research it and it's pretty cut and dry, but I also say to people like when I'm trying to give like a very simple explanation is like 
Therapy handles emotions and trauma and life coaching handles situations at hand, like life experiences, helping navigate, helping determine mindset and goal setting, things like that, where therapy is breaking through trauma, healing, things of that nature. I'm not qualified to be a therapist. So life coaching is not therapy, but it is like a guidance of life type of thing. Kind of like a mentor, big sister, that type of thing. Um, The business does not exist yet, but it will in the near future. So if you guys do like sort of my take on life, on thinking, if you guys like this podcast pretty much, you will probably enjoy my life coaching sessions as well. I'll obviously have more information about that as it all comes to fruition. But with all that being said, keep an eye out for that as I work through it and start announcing all of that stuff. Um, It'll be within the next few months. But I love you all so much. I really hope that you guys enjoyed this short little episode. I am going to be editing this podcast on the flight to Europe. So that's super exciting. I'm sure I'll have a lot to talk about whenever I get back. Um, But you will have a podcast episode for this, like whenever I post this, obviously. But then I believe I will miss next week's podcast. And also on YouTube... It's going to be like patchy posting for a little bit just because I'm not doing my normal uploads while I'm in Europe, but I will have Europe vlogs. And then whenever I get back from Europe, we'll get back to my normal schedule, but things are going to be a little bit out of whack until then just because I'm traveling, but I love you all so much. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you guys so super soon in the next one. Bye.